in, in the morning service this morning, I felt, uh, I felt at home. We were all coughing together in the first service. We had a chorus going on. So, um, but it is good to see each of you. Um, this week, one of the events that we saw unfold before us this week is the death of Billy Graham. 99. I've had some friends call and say, why do you not think God just didn't wait and, and made him a hundred before he took him? And I said, well, you know, that's up to God. That's, that's his business. And, uh, but, you know, we have seen some amazing things as, we, as the news media has talked about his life and others who have given testimony uh, about the life of Billy Graham. Is there anyone here that got saved at a Billy Graham crusade. I'm just wondering. Okay. Has anyone here attended a Billy Graham crusade? Okay. Several, several, several. You know, Billy Graham was a man of God who lasted, who had a commitment, and and, and we could all add in different words there to to describe this man. But this man knew the direction God had for him. And he continued to use God's word to, to allow him to find that direction. In the world today that we have, at times, some days we wake up and we just shake our heads and say, what's going to happen next? But we're in a world today that is confusing, I believe, some Christians. They're confusing Christians to the point that, well, do I I need to stick with this Bible thing? Or do do I need to go with what everyone else is doing? And so this morning, I I want us to to look at that. And, and, And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn and get ready. But in the book of Revelation, chapter 2. I want to read verses 12 through 17 in just a moment. Okay? Go ahead and turn there. Get ready for that. There was an older gentleman one day went into town to pick up several different things. As he was on his way home, he received a telephone call from his wife. His wife said, George, be careful coming home. There's some person on the 280 going the wrong way. And George said, honey... It's not one person going the wrong way. It's hundreds of people going the wrong way. In other words, he was the one going the wrong way. Have you ever felt like, possibly, you were going the wrong way? But you thought it was all of those people going the wrong way. You know, sometimes in life, we we get confused. We, We get tired. We get frustrated. We, I want us to see this morning of, of, of the importance of, of going in the direction God wants us to go in. Now, in the seven churches of Asia Minor that we find in the book of Revelation, the church of Pergama is a, a unique church. I, I, this is a church that, that, that even our Lord God made reference to. He says, I know where Satan lives. <laughs> Boy, isn't that a representative? Oh, oh, yeah, I'm from First Baptist Pergamum. That's where Satan lives. You know, that would, be, that would be an advertisement, wouldn't it? 
And so as we look at this passage of Scripture... There, in Revelation chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Write to the angel of the church in Pergamum, the one who has the sharp, sharp, double-edged sword says, I know where you live, where Satan's throne is, and you are holding on to my name and did not deny your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas. My faithful witness who, who was killed among you, where Satan even, let's see, I'm, I'm getting old here, my, my lines are getting, where Satan lives. Okay, there we go, I'm sorry, but I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold to teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to a place a stumbling block in front of the Israelites to eat meat sacrifices to idols and to commit sexual immorality. In the same way, in the same way, also have those who holding the teachings of the Nicolaitans, therefore repent. Otherwise, I will come to you quickly and fight against them with the sword in my mouth. Now, I want to stop there. I'll come back to verse 17 in a moment. But as we look at this passage of Scripture this morning, there was a group of people that were living in this city. And this group was striving to live by the principles of God. What we're facing today is that your workmates, people that you work with, your friends, the people that you maybe hook up with after church, We're seeing today that people are discouraging or people are trying to say, you know, I know you go to that church in town. I know you're faithful to that church, but have you ever thought you might be better off doing something else? Now, maybe they haven't been that bold, but maybe because of what they're asking you to do, and you say, well, you know, if I want to be part of these other people's lives, if I, if, if I want to be able to be in the know or in the cycle, then I maybe need to start doing those type of things. In our world today, immorality, perversion, profanity. Is this how we're supposed to live our lives? If you would watch certain television channels and watch the certain things that are happening, you'd say, well... That's how one should live their lives. But you would be completely wrong. One of the things that I was fascinated with years ago, eight years ago, when I had the opportunity to go to China, was how the Chinese people, especially the teenagers, were just engrossed with American television and trying to live up to what they saw on American television, thinking that that was the norm. In our world today, we are seeing people with the same way. They're living in a city, they're living in a situation, but our climate is changing. There are people today who continue to say, Is the Bible still relevant to the needs that we have today? And again, we find in this passage of Scripture and the thought for the day, what Jesus would say to a confused Christian. What happens when we get confused? One of the first things we need to remember when you get confused and you're not sure about it is that never 
never abandoned the Word of God. Never abandoned the Word of God. Let me tell you, you want to be in a hurt? You want to be in trouble? Abandon the Word of God. You talk about trouble. Put a capital T on it. Put a big capital T on it. It's going to be trouble. But we find in our world today, that's exactly what's happening. Maybe it's not intentional, but we find that a lot of Christians today have started living lifestyles that are what? Contrary to the scripture we say we believe in. And you can look at that today and see that we're saying we believe in God and God's our light and he's the one we're looking to, but we're living different lifestyles. God's word must be the only standard for which we will believe and how we will behave. A seminary student was pastoring a small country church. It was his first church. As he got there, they had their first meeting, first business meeting, and someone in the crowd says, I want to make a motion that we ordain so-and-so, and the name's not important. And the pastor says, you know, I thought, well, you know, I hadn't heard about it. I don't know this person. And uh, he said, well, normally, you know, the pastor's, young pastor says, normally the deacons would get together and discuss. He said, oh, no, 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 no. He said, I just want to nominate and I want to vote now. Well, come to find out, the gentleman that was being, the gentleman that was being nominated was a practicing homosexual. And, and the pastor, when he learned that, went to the, his deacons and his elders and his leaders, and he said, the scripture says... And he read them the scriptures. Didn't matter. Next business meeting, he came up. Preacher again was prepared this time. Read to the church what, you know, what the scripture says about that. And finally, that gentleman in the back who had started all this stood up and said, Pastor, now listen to this. Pastor, we don't really care what the Bible says. This man's family has been the backbone of this church for years, so we're going to ordain this man anyway. True story. How does a group of Christians make a decision like that? What was their guiding principle? Security, finances, by a human being. Will that pass? Yep. But God never fails. And so in the story, a church of Christians voted to say, we don't care what the Bible says. This is what we're going to do. Are we doing that in America today as Christians? Are we doing that today? Well, I know what the Bible says, but, you know, we're in the year 2018. And, you know, we've, we've just got to let certain things go by, and it's just not that important. Well, that's how the children of Israel got in trouble, and that's how we're in trouble today. Because we're not living by the principles of God's work. The moral, spiritual decisions, we're not following this book anymore. We're going by public opinion. Well, what is going to stand the test of time? Public opinion or this book? This book is going to stand the test of time. The Bible, God's Word, is going to stand the test of time. You see, a lot of times decisions are based upon public opinion, or they're based upon others, and, and, and they say, well, you know, over there they're doing this, this, and this. And, but, you know, 
If we get away from the Word of God, if we abandon the Word of God, we have made the first of many tragic mistakes. The second thing that we don't need to give in to is peer pressure. God knew that this small remnant left in this, in this community of Pergamum were under severe pressure. You see, Pergamum was the major center of idol worship. That's where Satan lived. The, the scripture even called it that. This is where Satan lived. And so there was this small group of Christians, and they had this all around them, and they were getting hit on every front. It would have been tempting to say, well, you know, let's just let this slide. Let this one slide, let this slide, let this slide. But before long, if they did that, what would they be standing on? Church, what about us today? Have we let things slide too much? And we're not standing upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ anymore. You see, that's where we need to get. That's where we need to get back to. Standing upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah in the Bible? Now, I'm not sure if this is a true story, but there was a man on the streets of Sodom and Gomorrah. And every day he preached. He preached He said, you will be destroyed. He preached about their sins. He preached about all the horrors that was going on. And every day he would preach. And every day people would just drown him out. Finally, someone says, why do you keep doing it? Nobody's listening to you anymore. They drown you out every time you start teaching about God. And he says, I do it because if I don't keep preaching it, I might fall in to do what they're doing. He said, I keep presenting the truth every day, so I will hold on to the truth every day. In Romans 12, 2, it reminds us, do not be comforted to this age, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is good, what is pleasing, and perfect will, not of us, but of God. We need to see that we need to make sure we don't give in to the peer pressure. Then we need to also listen, be careful to the false teachers. I know in our world today, we, we think, well, there's, there's not many false teachers out there. Even in the day of Pergamon, there were false teachers. Talk about Balaam and Balak and all the, the false teaching that was going on today. Do it back then, I'm sorry. But what do we have today? What kind of false teachings do we have going on today? Some Sunday nights, I haven't done it in a long time, but some Sunday nights years ago, after it's been a long Sunday, I would flip the channels on the TV if by chance I got to them before my wife and the kids watching Cupcake Wars. Uh, but here lately, I don't get the chance, but, uh, but I would turn it and find to see if Jesse Duplantis was on television. Now, okay, all right. Now, one of the reasons is Jesse's from Louisiana. All right. Now, Jesse's what we call a prosperity gospel preacher. Okay. You know, if you give enough and have enough faith, you're going to be fine. Okay. That's, that's Jerry. Now, I watch him, basically, he makes me laugh. And 
I just want to see how far he's going to stretch it that day. All right. Now, from a scriptural sense, from a scriptural biblical sense, and what I believe in today, he's totally opposite. Okay? Kathy, sometimes she said, why are you listening, Jesse? And I said, well, I just want to see how far he's going to go. I just want to see, you know, it, it just makes me laugh to see some of these things. You know, there are other TV preachers and others. Have you checked their doctrine lately? There's a lot of me doctrine going on today. This prosperity gospel stuff, let me tell you, it's out there. It's big time business. Big time business. Multi-million dollar business. False teachers? Yes. Now, I don't want to pick on my Kentucky friends. I love my Kentucky friends. But I don't know if you've ever maybe stumbled across a church in Kentucky. Kentucky got labeled as... Sometimes you'd stumble across a little church in the country, and you go in there thinking you're going to have a quiet little sermon, and then all of a sudden, Gary, they pull out the snakes. This is true. There's a group that they handle snakes, and their premises is what? Their premise is if you have enough faith, you won't get bit. It's kind of a turnover in that church. They don't want you to know. They say, oh, I've been bit so many times. It doesn't faze me anymore. They convince you that that's what? That's acceptable. That that's okay. And if you get bit, well, you didn't have enough faith. You got to keep trying. Would you buy into that? No way. But you know, there's other false religions that people are buying into today. There are those we call the heretics. Those are the false teachers that basically look at the Bible and they deny it. They don't give grounds, they just say, it's not true. They're a heretic, you know, it's not true. There are those who are basically what I call charlatans. They're they're the ones that are in it for personal gain. They're only in it for themselves. You say, oh, there's not that type. Oh, yes, there is. There's also the false prophets. Those who claim to bring... They claim to bring a fresh revelation from God himself. I got this fresh invitation from God, and they go around. Guys... Uh-uh. Another group of false teachers are the abusers. The teacher that uses others to gain providence and to feed the lust in their own heart. There's also a group that are the dividers. All they want to do is get in churches and divide them, bring division. There's also a group called the spectators. And that's all they do. They get in there and they watch Boy, that was pretty good. And then when things get dull, they leave there and go somewhere else and be a spectator. And then there's a group called the Ticklers. T-I-C-K-L-E-R. 
This group, they listen to people. They listen to people in, in what they want. And so they listen, they hear someone complain about whatever. And then they try to make sure that that gets done so they can kind of, it's like they've been tickled, they've been pleased for just a second, and they get that power. They get that, oh, they think I can do things. You know, there's a lot of false doctrines out there today. I don't know about you, but I am glad I wasn't raised by a television show. You imagine today as we see what's on television? I think false doctrine is like a poisonous snake. You may escape unharmed from one encounter, but let me tell you, after two or three or four, it'll get you. It'll get you. Those false prophets that are around. What about those that at our work will say, oh, at our church, we've got it all taken care of. There's no problems. There's no division. We've got a fresh word from God. And then when you ask them certain things about the Bible, they say, well, we don't believe in sin anymore. We took care of that. You say, well, how did you take care of that? We just don't preach it. Yet, you know, I know Millie agrees with me. You know, guys, we, we need to see that in the world that we live in today, it does get confusing. But just like we sang about a moment ago, God is faithful. Amen? Amen? He is faithful. And things get confusing. But the one thing we should never say, well, I wonder, I wonder, guys, God's word will stand forever. And this is what we need to go back to. This is what we need to go back to. You want to know about marriage? Go to God's word. You want to know about divorce? Go to God's word. You want to know about sexual immorality? Go to God's word. You want to know about dating? Go to God's word. Everything we need is in the word of God. Now, do we like everything that's in there? That's where we have the rub, didn't it? But how is it when we do say, okay, Lord, I'm going to live by your word. Boy, that's, that's a stand, isn't it? I'm going to live by your word. So today, I understand getting confused. I get confused sometimes. But let's not do away with our faith or belittle our faith or try to find a new faith. Let's look at what we have and see the strength. Because remember, in the very beginning of that passage, it talked about a two-edged sword. God's word is like a two-edged sword. It cuts out all that other stuff that sometimes we, as man, try to put in. And it's time to get back to God's word. Let's pray. Most gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to follow you in all that we do. Lord, I pray today that when we do get confused, that, Lord, we would not listen to the world or listen to so-called friends who would attend, tell us to abandon our faith or abandon what we've been taught as a child. Lord, that we would live according to thy word and practice it daily. Lord, we just pray that we would not give up the very thing that we need. 
Lord, I ask this in your son's name. Amen.